Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Seavers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the Silver King's letters from Columbia Army Air Base in Columbia, South Carolina. Our hero is getting advanced training for some big bombers, perhaps the Fortress or the Liberator. And he's writing to his folks, feeling a bit lonely and working to keep his edge in spite of what he describes as his laziness. Stanley writes to his family on Thursday, February 17, 1944. Dearest ones, received all your sweet letters and I'm so thankful for them. However, there wasn't any today, but I suppose I can't complain as I've missed a few days myself. Yesterday and today I attended lectures on camouflage. It wasn't interesting at all, but I think that's due to my laziness. The easy life I had been living must have spoiled me. Even the idea of going to school again makes me shudder. I can think of nothing better than to spend the duration in the replacement depot. Tomorrow I have chemical warfare. This should be another bore. I'll probably have to go through the gas chamber. The chamber is filled with some kind of gas, and I'll have to go into it with my mask on. This is something else I'd prefer never to have any more use for. One good thing, when I finish this, I'll be free again until my assignment comes through. I haven't any idea when that will be. A lot of the fellows received their orders yesterday and were assigned to squadrons on the base. The general opinion seems to be that the next group will ship to Greenville. I surely hope not, as we have such a swell setup. I would hate to give it up. Only time will tell. Here's a surprise for you. I received a letter from Betty Jaffe. She is announcing her engagement to a fellow from Chicago in about three weeks. I didn't bother to call her while I was in Chicago, so it was really a shock for me. I never met the kid, but she said she has known him for some time. He's a pilot in the Army somewhere in this country. Boy, it seems like everyone is getting married. I was truly sorry to hear about Mike. A lot of people are making terrific sacrifices in this damn war. It's beyond me why they are taking fathers. It would surprise you at the actual number of idle men in the Army today. However, I'm quite sure Mike won't find it too hard. A fellow with his intelligence won't have any trouble getting a good soft job, and believe me, there are plenty of them. I certainly think Aunt Sylvia should go to Birmingham. It would be too much for her to carry on the business, and much too lonesome for her in New York City. Besides, Mike will more than likely be sent to the South. Most New Yorkers are. 
We're still having rain here, so I haven't had a chance to have a picture taken nor return the robe to you. I guess I'll have to wait until next week. Please don't plan on our driving down. It would be impossible. We have to report in every day, including Sunday, and haven't the gas besides. So don't expect anything like that. Yes, you might send me some candy if you want. Some good homemade fudge would be great. Keep well and write often. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley is feeling a bit guilty as he writes to his family on Wednesday, February 23, 1944. Dearest ones, if you're angry with me for not writing, I can't blame you. I'm truly ashamed of myself for neglecting you. It was just plain laziness that kept me from writing. Sitting around all day doing nothing has gotten the best of me. I do hope you haven't worried. Your swell letters have been coming regularly. I'm sorry I haven't been as good about writing. I'm glad you sent Aunt Sylvia's letter. I was anxious to know what she decided to do. She is determined to carry on the business, and I think she deserves a lot of credit for her determination. It would be a shame to give it up after having done so well with it. However, this combined with her household troubles might, I'm afraid, prove too much for her. I only hope I'm wrong. If she is unable to carry on, she can always go to you, and that's some consolation. I'm returning the robe and razor tomorrow. I've received the other one along with the delicious box of candy. Thanks for being so sweet. Please give my razor to Uncle Dave. He knows exactly what has to be done, as I told him about it before I left. After he has it repaired, hold it for me until I ask for it. I might not be here much longer, and I want to be sure to receive it. As yet, I haven't had the pictures taken. It would take too long to have them done. I'm afraid I might ship out of here before they were finished. You'll have to wait until I'm assigned. I have been paid the traveling money, and for two weeks in January, all total $220. I'll be paid again next week for February, so I'm not short of money. We usually eat breakfast and dinner at a nice hotel in town. They serve good food, and it isn't too expensive. We have lunch at the officer's club on the base. I'm getting well fed. Don't worry. No, I haven't contacted the Epsteins yet. I'll try soon. I'm sorry you've been expecting me to call. I don't like to use the phone here in the house. It isn't at all private. That's why I haven't called. Maybe I will sometime soon. No more news. I'll try to write more often from now on. Keep well and don't be too lonesome. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. As Stanley finds his way through February and his new installation. He and his mother, Sarah Bell, are trading letters and edges because they both have expectations about how 
they should respect each other. Sometimes it's not that easy. As Stanley writes on Friday, February 25th, 1944. Dearest ones, your wire, letter, and candy came today, a big day for me. I'm sorry you worried because of my not writing. I really wish you wouldn't, as it's unnecessary. And now I'm sorry I spoiled you with writing often. You probably received my special today, so I didn't wire. There isn't any need for you to act that way. And thanks a lot for the candy. It isn't bad, but I'm afraid you still can't cook, Mother. It didn't get hard. Had a swell afternoon with Sherry and another fellow. With nothing doing at the base, we decided to play golf. Well, you know, I never played a game in my life, but I played today. It was a beautiful day, warm and plenty of sunshine. I even obtained a little tan out there. We rented the clubs and played nine holes on the public course in town. Neither of us was any too good, but we had lots of fun, and the exercise did us a lot of good. I'm really getting to be a man of leisure. This life as an officer is strictly okay. This other fellow is a peach of a guy, undoubtedly one of the nicest with whom I've come in contact. His name is Bob Ketterman, Gentile, married, and from Ohio. He went through training with me all the way from Nashville. I wasn't as friendly with him before, as his wife has been with him all the time, and he didn't run around with the single fellows. Now, though, he is living in the same apartment building as Sherry, and we have become good friends. His wife is a very sweet person. One day last week when it was raining, we were all over at his apartment and we all got pretty drunk. When it came time for dinner, they wouldn't let us go home. They insisted we stay and she served cold cuts, which I thought was very sweet. That's the kind of people they are. Loads of fun and as smart as could be. It's when I see couples like that that I wish so much that I was married. If I was, the three of us could be together all the time, and I wouldn't like anything better. I'm so damn tired of running around loose, I'm about to go crazy. Don't you think I could manage it? I'm serious about it. I'm terribly lonesome. It's Patsy whom I want to marry. I know since my trip to Chicago, that she is the one for me, and I'm sure if I asked her, she would say yes. Please think it over and tell me honestly what you believe. I'm afraid your argument about the future and what I will do after the war won't hold water anymore. The future is too unpredictable and too far away. In other words, it isn't tangible enough to make a sound basis as a good reason why I shouldn't. To me, at a time like this, it's the present that only holds any value. And each day I'm idle is only a wasted day. Please try to see and understand my feelings. I think I'm old enough to realize how serious marriage is. I almost forgot to tell you. We had dinner at the Sherry's Sunday night. 
Sherry's wife fixed it up herself and wasn't bad at all. Lamb chops and french fries. See what I mean? I envy them more than anybody else in the world. They are truly, supremely happy. There isn't any more news. I'm going to try to go to services tonight if I can find the temple. Keep well and don't worry anymore. Love to Ida. I love and miss you. Stan. Stanley, who is now two months from 21, is spending his social time with his married buddies and meeting their wives and visiting their apartments and really enjoying himself. And he talks more and more about being married and wonders, of course, if he can gain approval from Sarah Bell. He writes on Sunday, February 27th, 1944, Dearest ones, I've got a call place, but the operator says no one answers. I should have known you would be out tonight, only I had hoped you would be back by now. She will keep trying every 20 minutes, with hopes you will come in soon. The phone will probably scare you being so late. This is actually the first good opportunity I've had to call. I'm staying at the hotel tonight prior to moving out to the base. This being the end of the month, I thought it useless to pay another month's rent where I was staying. My assignment should come through any day now, and even if I should stay here, I doubt if I would be allowed to live in town. So now I have a new address. Write me exactly as you see on the envelope. Thanks for the special today. I am terribly sorry you worried so. I'll try not to let it happen again. I only wish I was there to receive that spanking. It's terribly lonesome. I don't know what to do with myself since Sherry left me. You may not believe it, but I haven't had but one date since being here, and it isn't because there aren't any girls. With the university here... There are plenty of them. Fact is, the pickings are good, but I don't want any part of them. All I truly want is to get married. That's the truth. I was never more serious in all my life. To be perfectly frank with you, the only reason I hesitate is because I haven't the money to start with. I know if I did get married... My greatest expenses would all come at the beginning, settling down. And once I was settled, I'm sure I could manage on what I make because there are so many that are doing it. If I thought I was going to be in this country any length of time, then I would put it off for a few months until I had saved some. Under the circumstances, however, that would be out of the question. In a few months, I'll be ready to start my world travels. So that's my situation. Can you make any suggestions to remedy it? I'm sorry, but you'll have to wait for the picture. I won't have it taken until I find out where I'm going. It would be just my luck to have it taken and then have to leave before they are finished. You'll have to be patient. It would be swell if you would come up. However, don't make any plans now. Wait until I'm in one place definitely. Wherever I go, it won't be any further away. 
You can depend on that. And don't forget about the razor. Don't wait until I write you for it. Also, if you come across a plug, I can use it. I need one of those that screw into a socket so I can plug in the extension. I know they are scarce as I tried to find one here. Well, I'm still waiting for you to get home. This will suffice, though, if I don't get you. Keep well and write soon, and don't forget the new address. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, is really struggling with his loneliness right now. It's getting near the end of February, and now he's got to give up his residence in a private home as he moves on to the base. He's awaiting his assignment as he writes on Thursday, March 2nd, 1944. Dearest ones, I've been terribly busy the past few days. Tuesday morning, my orders came through assigning me to this field. So since then, all my time has been taken up with processing into the squadron. I was assigned to the 377th Squadron of the 309th Bomb Group. It is supposedly the best squadron on the field, so I'm fairly well satisfied with it. Classes will probably start Sunday, and after a few days of brushing up on navigation, I'll start flying. Frankly, I'm anxious to start working again. It got tiresome waiting around. Already they are preparing us for overseas duty. Yesterday I got two shots, typhus and cholera, and today got a yellow fever shot. I've been stuck so many times now, I'm beginning to feel like a pincushion. Fortunately, Sherry was assigned to the same squadron. That means we'll continue our training together and probably go overseas together. The barracks given us are somewhat better than the one I had previously, but still far from anything I would call okay. There are two men to a room, as it was in Carlsbad, and Sherry is still my roommate. That is, he has a bed in here, even though he sleeps off the base. All married men are required to have quarters on the base, regardless of whether they live there. Of course, it doesn't cost them as it does me. I pay almost $50 while they pay only $1. Quite a difference, isn't it? There is room for 24 men here, but there are only five here. The rest of them are married. So I'm practically living alone. You should have seen me building a fire this morning. It has turned very cold, and all I have for heat is a coal stove. The GIs are supposed to build and keep the fires going, but they never seem to be around. What a life! It was grand talking to you. It only took ten minutes to get through, which was surprising. Well, I could tell from the way you talked that you wouldn't approve of my getting married. I shall not argue with you, for I think you know how I feel, and besides, I doubt if it would do any good. From past experience, you've always known best, and this probably wouldn't be an exception to the rule. Nonetheless, I would like to get married, but don't worry, 
I won't do anything of which you disapprove. It's now more than ever that I want things I never had before. I want to see and do the things I never could. I'm sure you can understand my reasons for this. If I can't get married, then I want to put my money to the next best advantage. I'm not going to attempt to save any money while I'm still in this country, because there will be the chance to do that when I go across. Consequently, after learning of your attitude towards my marrying, I've decided to buy a car. That's something I never had and have always wanted very much. And now, when I'm free to go, whenever I'm off duty, I could get a great deal of pleasure out of it. And not only pleasure, but it would come in handy here on the base. Things are separated, something terrible. You will no doubt think I'm crazy with all these ideas, that I don't know what I want. Well, you're partly right. It's the things I've never had before. I went to a few used car lots with hopes of getting one half decent, but was sadly disappointed. The prices they are asking are impossible, way out of my reach. I knew used cars were expensive, but I sort of think they add on a few hundred dollars because of the uniform. I'm wondering if you could help me out on the deal. You probably know some dealers, and I'm sure you could make a better buy than I. Of course, I don't want anything too expensive, just one that will get me where I'm going. And gas wouldn't be a problem at all. I can get all I want. Here's the way I figure you could work it. Borrow the money from the bank to buy it and use the car as collateral. Then I could send you money monthly to pay the bank. I can spare about $75 a month or maybe more. That's the way I was going to work the deal if I had decided to buy. And when you do buy it, you can drive it up here when you come to see me. I'm sure you could get gas from the board to do so. Please let me know immediately if you can do it. And if you can't, then I'll see what I can do here. Please send my electric razor now. And don't forget the plug. You'll find my new address on the envelope. Tell Theo I appreciated her letter and will write soon. I will... Have that picture taken on my first day off. Keep well and write soon. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. We have reached the end of Columbia Letters, Part 2. The Silver King is now in March of 1944, and he's changed his focus from the idea of getting married because his mother won't approve to trying to buy a car because he claims that it's a long way to the flight line. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.